0: The Lord bless you. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Ephesians, chapter number six. Now, I really want us the next, before Sunday to pray for our pastor. And I'm going to tell you how we can really pray for him. Pray you feel a victory, not just a casual prayer, not praying just because we know he needs prayer, but pray until you feel you have a a breakthrough, and, uh, of course, uh, when we do that, we're doing our part. God could do it without us, but he chooses to work with us and through us. And I know that he will respond to prayer. Ephesians chapter number 6, beginning with verse 10. Finally, after going through all of the uh, information, admonition, and concern, uh, covering almost every area of a Christian life, Paul says, finally, after all this, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Everybody say whole armor. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Say that together. And having done all, to stand. Then stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod to the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the element of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always. Say that. Praying always. Praying sometimes, you better pray always. Sister Cecilia mentioned uh, the traffic. That's that's the part I have to get the victory over more than anything, is on these freeways. And uh, I was going home from church here last Sunday, and... uh, I was trying to weave through the traffic and uh, trying to get out of the way. I thought a car was gonna hit me and I had to dart over into the other lane in front of another car. And uh, when the traffic slowed down, he came around on the shoulder, parked right in front of me, and got out of his car. I think when he saw my handicap card, he thought, well, poor old thing. He's just an old, decrepit man. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, we've got to be careful at all times. I have to pray every day, Lord, help me to use good judgment in my driving. And I'm real thankful that the Lord has kept his hand on my life all these years and protected me and I have nothing but thanksgiving in my heart tonight. Amen. No complaints, none whatsoever. Just thankfulness in my heart. Amen. Are you thankful? Amen. Praying always with all prayer, supplication in the Spirit. Now that spirit is the Holy Spirit, supplication in the spirit. Pray until you feel that certain something move on you and uh, allow yourself to go into the spirit of prayer, and many times that that means praying with other tongues, and uh, then you know that you're close to God watching there, there too, thereunto, with all perseverance, supplication for all saints. Just want to tell you, I'm thankful for all that you have done, for the stars and the moonlight and the setting sun, and when my work on earth is through, I'm coming home to be with you, just wanted to tell you, I'm thankful, that's all, thankful. Thank you, thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus, Jesus. praise God. You may be seated. Please promise yourself, I'm going to pray for my pastor. If every time he needed us to pray for him, it's now. And I'm going to present seven prevailing forces that needs to operate in the church, first of all, in our own lives, and certainly needs to operate in our church. And of course, uh, at the top of the list is prayer. General von Rundstedt, the noted German general at the end of World War II was asked the question, why do you think Germany lost the war? They were taking country after country and, and so without hesitation, he mentioned three, four things. He said, broken communications, Lack of oil, lack of air power, and failure at the source of supply. When he mentioned broken communications, they they were cut off from other troops and they knew they could not communicate. Their communication system was all destroyed by the Allied forces. So he said, not being able to communicate with other troops and authorities, we didn't know what to do a lot of times. And he said, lack of oil. He said, we had to have oil for our tanks and our machinery, and we didn't have enough oil to operate our equipment. And then he said, lack of air power. Their planes had been destroyed. And uh, they had used their planes for bombing countries everywhere. And uh, so they, they ran out of air power. And then failure at the source of supply ran out of all the supplies, food, water, all the necessary things that it would take. Well, you know, that's why the first prevailing force has got to be prayer. Prayer keeps us connected. Otherwise we will we will have broken communications. We won't know what to do. We serve a God that stands ready to help us. And many of you here tonight, you're going through some things you wouldn't want to tell anybody. It's something you're Fighting by yourself, you realize you need the help of God. Prayer is the key that will work when nothing else will work. So you just keep on praying. Amen. Prayer strengthens. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Now we're putting an X in front of the first word. If my people, which are called by my name, humble themselves, pray seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and save their land. Save our church. Save it from lukewarmness. Save it from unconcern. We're on the battlefield tonight, folks, and we've got to, we've got to make sure that our communication is not broken. We've got to do that. And I can't stress that enough to you. Prayer strengthens. Prayer satisfies. Gives us the assurance that the Lord is with us. Prayer sanctifies. And prayer qualifies. It was Isaiah Isaiah chapter 6 that he saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train his greatness his glory filled all of the temple and uh, when he saw the greatness of the Lord and heard the voice who will go and who can I send and Isaiah had prayed and recognized the greatness of God then he said here am I Lord send me I'm qualified now I have put you first I have allowed you to talk to my heart, and I'm ready to go. Ready to go. Prayer qualifies. I was uh, raised in the day of uh, my boyhood days where they prayed. Prayer was the order, order of the day, and that's according to 1 Timothy 2 and 1. First of all, prayers. Prayers. First of all. Keep a prayer in your heart all the time. But remember, we need to speak out our prayers. Make make sounds to the Lord. Uh, we, My mother would fix a... We had one meal a day, snacks, maybe a little bit for breakfast. And uh, we'd sit down to eat that delicious... We had... Beans and potatoes one day, the next day, potatoes and beans. And so, uh, once in a while, someone would bring a chicken. I lived in the days when they wrung the chicken's neck. I could hardly stand that. Does anybody remember that? (laughs) Those, uh, I've seen my mother take a chicken. I couldn't believe that that precious, consecrated, prayerful, woman would treat a chicken like that but when they put it on the table it was uh, all right but once in a while we would have chicken and you know we'd sat down at that good hot meal and a lot of times they lived in such a spirit of prayer and they'd get to praying for the food, get to praying for everything and a lot of times they would push their chairs back, get on their knees and have a prayer meeting. They learned the value of prayer. We've got to we've got to rehearse the matter again and again. First of all, the Lord said it. If we want to keep our communication with him, We've got to settle it in our heart. We've got to pray. That's the lifeline between our soul and our Heavenly Father. And, uh, of course, I've told you a little bit about experiences. The very first place that Dad went to build his church, the community hated that Holy Roller meeting. And uh, they did everything, they threatened, they did everything, they tried to destroy the brush arbor. And then it came time for school, and my oldest brother and oldest sister were the only ones that could go to school. There were four children at that time. And uh, the principal of the school, when he found out who they were, He called my brother into his office and had what they called a hickory stick. And he beat my brother on his back so hard that blood came out of his body. For the principal of the school was always the most important person in any town in those days. And uh, then... He said, You go get your little sister and you go home and don't you ever come back to my school again. Archie told me, he said, Little brother, I hurt so bad. I, I was suffering. I could hardly stand it. And blood was on my back. Oh, it's a shame that those children of those days had to suffer such persecution. But said, when I went in the house, my mother heard me crying, and she saw what had happened. She wrapped her arms around me, and she prayed and prayed until every pain left my body. And uh, then the next morning, it was a decision. He and my sister didn't want to go to school. The principal told them, you don't ever come back. So my dad took them to school, told the principal to please let his children, they needed an education. And so he didn't like the idea, but he went ahead. He gave, a, he gave my parents a lot of trouble. But one day he decided to go check it out for himself. And when he did, he found himself weeping, crying and praying in the altar. God filled him with the Holy Ghost, got baptized in Jesus' name, and God called him to preach. Now that's let me tell you something. Prayer can work on every in every situation. That is always a prevailing force. When after the day of Pentecost, a great rushing, mighty wind, and people filled with the Holy Ghost. The next day, they went out, and uh, they, the Lord helped them perform a miracle. The lame man rose out of his chair and walked, and it caused a lot of disturbance. They threatened the disciples, and then the Bible tells us that they came together. Amen. They came together, and they prayed, lifted up their voice with one accord. The Lord honors prayer, and especially when we're united in our praying. I plead with uh, the church here. We don't have to have a house full for me to really drive that home. Uh, Let's join together. Be united. We're uniting we're going to unite from now from this until sunday for our pastor first of all i'd hate for him to be sick not be able to come sunday he's such a an important factor in the future of this church and uh, pray for a great revival to break out maybe the lord will let it break out in our hearts in a special way and then we'll be able to spread it to others. So that when they got together and prayed together, the Bible said place was shaken where they were assembled together. And, of course, the Lord spoke to them. It was a prevailing, prevailing force. The second prevailing force is your church. The church of the living God is is uh, spread out all over the world. Wherever the gospel is preached and uh, men accept the gospel, obey the truth, they become part of the church. Uh, When I left uh, Paris, Texas, they always had the saying, Brother Kilgore's church. One little girl, when she found out I was leaving, she told her mother, said, we won't ever get to go to church again. She said, why? She said, well, Pastor Kilgore's taking it with him. It's Brother Kilgore's church. But uh, when, when we're in here, we're a corporate body. We're the church as in a building. When we go home, this will be a building. Amen. But every time I've been here and prayed or worshiped or preached, I've always felt that God was here. Amen. Our church is a prevailing force. And when uh, Jesus chose Peter to be the head of the church, he gave him the keys to the kingdom and uh, he told him, The very gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Amen. What a promise. Men have lived on that promise through the years, Have that promise that regardless what comes against the church, the gates of hell cannot prevail. The church is the prevailing force. The third uh, uh, prevailing thing is the correct spirit and attitude. And there are a few examples in the Word of God, Joseph, Job, and Stephen. Joseph is one of the greatest examples of the right spirit and attitude. He had to overcome his own brothers. And when they lied on him, and when they cast him into a pit, when they sold him, uh, and he was eventually sold into Egypt, what, what a trial for a young man to have to go through. All the time he kept the right spirit. When Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, he said, I can't do this thing. I cannot sin against God. And uh, he had to go through that, had to keep the right spirit, the right attitude. Eventually cast into prison and uh, 13 years suffered in a prison but never complained one time. But God had a way, of, an unusual way. When uh, there was a dream, and uh, he, went to, he interpreted the dream, and it came to pass, and then uh, the ruler had a dream. He couldn't interpret it. One of these men remembered there was a man in prison that had the answer. So they sent for Joseph and Joseph was able to interpret the dream and then become prime minister of Egypt because he kept the right spirit. The right attitude is so very important. Job, you know, there's nobody in the world had to suffer any more than that man did. Can you imagine He was the most powerful man in the East. And overnight lost his cattle and all of his donkeys and sheep. And uh, then the biggest loss was his children. And he uh, he was suffering over it. His wife came to him. He was scraping his body with broken pottery, Boils all over his body, she said, Job, why don't you just curse, die, curse uh, God and die? She said, He said, You talk like a foolish woman, the Lord giveth the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job sinned not with his lips, neither did he charge God foolishly. Oh my, what a what a spirit and an attitude! I don't blame God for it. It wasn't God's fault, and it just and if Job could only know what an example that preachers have been able to use with what he went through, uh, he'd, say, he'd say, "I didn't do it for that purpose, but I'm so glad that I gave all you preachers a message." so the church is a prevailing force a correct spirit and attitude and of course you know the story of stephen in the new testament and uh that young church went through the first stoning it happened to be stephen a man that was chosen to be one of the seven deacons and uh but uh, when they were gnashing on him with their teeth, accusing him and throwing stones at him, he kept the right spirit and the right attitude. He asked the Lord to not, you know, don't hurt them. I'm suffering. And uh, there, there were some Chinese ladies way back before World War II that were Put in prison because of their receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, loving God with all their hearts. They were going to be hanged the next day, and they prayed together in their jail cell. And one of them wrote on the wall talking about Stephen, angel faced and lion hearted see Christ's servant stand. He was stoned, but he kept the victory. was not afraid of the howling band. Then, because they prayed and read the story of that martyr, they were able to go the next day with faith in their hearts that everything was all right. Praise God. The prevailing force of faith the Bible tells us Ephesians for Above all, above everything, take the shield of faith that quenches all every one of the fiery darts of the enemy. You know you look at the eleventh chapter of Hebrews, and there are about seventeen names that are given to us, and then it said unto others they went through so many things, and uh, the Apostle Paul named all those things. But it said they all of them died in the faith, all of them. And uh, some, some had faith to go through the fire and the, and the lion's den and all of that. Others had faith to escape a lot of those. Did the Lord love one more than the other? Not on your life. Those that had to suffer through all the persecution, they were an example to those of that that day, and when we read it, it's a good example for all of us. Some had faith to go through the fire. Others had faith to escape the fire couldn't say one was more spiritual than the other they all died in faith and so that is a prevailing force that is for our lives and a part of our church the word of god number five is going to always prevail always hebrews 4 and 12 the word of god is quick and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder, soul and spirit, joint and marrow, is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. How many times have we come to church we had things there maybe against someone or we were having trouble at home and the word of God would be preached. All of a sudden you could feel The load lightning, and it was, you found out that that word was a mighty prevailing force in your life. My dad went to Northeast Texas, brought the gospel for the first time. They'd never heard of oneness and Jesus' name baptism. And he was considered one of the five pioneers that brought the truth to the state of Texas. And uh, he had a great revival in Cunningham. Well, there was a man that came to him after church one night that lived in a little place called Hazeldale and said, uh, uh, Brother Kilgore, I want you to come hold me a revival. And he hadn't received the Holy Ghost himself. He said, I've been so impressed when I come over here every night and hear you preach. I've already made arrangements with the community to use the community tabernacle, and uh, they're holding it for me. I've made arrangements for me and my family to go go stay with, uh, with my mother and dad. Our house is waiting for you, and uh, you've got to come and preach me a revival. A sinner man. But he was so touched and so... Uh, Dad said, well, I'm scheduled in five days to preach a certain place, but he said, I can give you five days. Wonderful. Of course, the five days went into five weeks very easy. But he said people were so afraid of him and afraid of And the only reason they came was because this man was influential and they, they wanted to go to please him, but they were so afraid, and uh, mother said it was humorous to watch them pull up in their wagons and drive up in their old T-model Fords, and who was it mentioned, uh, you know, cranking the car the other day? They didn't tell you that sometimes that thing would slip and twist around and hit you and because that was back in my generation. Y'all don't know anything about that. But said they would drive up and they'd fix their eyes on my dad and mother and brother Oval Brown, a young preacher that dad was mentoring and traveling with them and uh and said they'd get out of their car, they didn't take their eyes off of them, they would sit in their seat, they wouldn't take their eyes off of them. And uh, Dad preached five nights, big crowd every night. But nobody made a move, but they listened to every word that he had to say. So at the end of five nights, he closed his Bible and slapped it with his hand, said, I've been preaching to you folks the truth five nights. You haven't made one move to be obedient to the word of God. Now, you can go to hell if you want to. I'm going to heaven. And he looked over that congregation. They were stunned. And a Nazarene woman on the front seat stood up. She was so convicted. She had a broad-rimmed hat. She took it off and sailed it across that congregation. Said, goodbye, friends, kin, folks, Everybody. You can go to hell if you want to. I'm going to heaven. She made her way to that altar, and Dad said it looked like everybody in that place tried to call over branches. They couldn't wait to get there. And, of course, they had a great revival. It came about by the preaching of the Word of God. The Word of God prevailed over denominations. It prevailed over everything And there again, we can see a prevailing force. When your pastor gets up to preach, there's nobody that can dig things out in the Word of God like Brother Mark Hughes. And when he gets up to preach, you can say, my pastor is going to give us the Word tonight. Amen. Right? And uh, praise God. You just wait till he gets uh, well and fired up. He's going to let you have it. Maybe I'll get the leftovers. The blood of Jesus, the most powerful force. Oh, my. Acts 20, 28, when Paul was giving instruction to the Ephesian elders and he talked to them about protecting the church. And he, he said, the blood of Jesus has prevailed. The blood of Jesus was moving. And they were there having a church because of the blood of Jesus. The bird. He said that this church that you're taking care of was purchased by his own blood. And uh, how powerful that blood is. Oh, my. It prevails. It prevails over sin. That's why when we're baptized in Jesus' name, the blood is in that name. Amen. The blood was in the name of Jesus. That's why Trinitarians, they must get baptized in Jesus' name. We must continue to pray that the the truth will come to them, their eyes would be open. And when you go down in that water, and the minister says, my brother or my sister, upon the confession of your faith and obedience to the word of God, I now baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins And the blood, through the name, brought deliverance. The sins were blotted out, washed away. Every sin that they had ever committed, finally, it's gone now. Amen. Cast into the sea of forgetfulness. And the Lord has a sign, no fishing here. Praise God. Oh, I love, I love to talk about the blood of Jesus. And in my generation, when they would pray for evil spirits, they would plead the blood in Jesus' name. And it worked every time, every time. I was in a place, you know, as a boy, dad went to new places and And the devil had strongholds everywhere he went, but he had such a walk with God that uh, uh, no one, no devil could ever stand before him. He didn't take hold of them and try to hold them down. He just spoke the name of Jesus, pled the blood of Jesus over them without fear, favor, favor. And they would always be delivered. Amen. Didn't have to hold anybody down. You talk about a work of faith. Faith is a prevailing force. And I thank the Lord that we can have the shield of faith quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. Amen. The blood of Jesus is precious, powerful, prevailing perpetual thank God for the blood thank God for the blood of course I've talked about the name of Jesus how important that is and I heard a Pentecostal minister talk about a group in Los Angeles California small church and uh, they were having an all-night prayer meeting and said the big huge mantras figure came in and told him to get up and get out of there a little handmaiden of the Lord full of the Holy Ghost walked up to him he said this is my city you can't have it of course uh, I believe that there's an evil force over every city in the world and uh, it, it does everything to defeat the church, church of God and individuals. And she said, In the name of Jesus, get out of here. said that they saw they got wide awake when they heard that and said they saw that monstrous looking figure just shrink and uh, screamed and went out of there the power of the name of Jesus. Thank God for that. Thank God for that name. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I've been buried in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I could tell you a lot of good interesting stories and uh, about The power of God prevailing in the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the word of God and the church, the right spirit and attitude and prayer above all, the Bible said prayer. I uh, went my first year in Houston, I developed a severe sickness and was sick for a couple of days and and I told my wife, she begged me to go to the hospital. I said, no, we're going to pray. But I kept getting worse, and she finally called uh, three elder preachers there in Houston. and They came to pray with me. And when they saw how my head was pulling back toward my back, they decided it had to be spinal meningitis. And that is very serious. And I was raging fever, didn't floating in and out of consciousness. But the church next door to where we live, they gathered in the building. The church gathered in the building. And they prayed and prayed and prayed. And uh, all of a sudden, my fever broke. And uh, these ministers had gone into another room and were visiting. And my wife said, Brother Williams, Brother Foss, and one of the other brothers, come and see. And there I was sitting up in the bed, perfectly normal. Amen. That was the power of the church praying. Praise God. Amen. I tell you what, we serve a prayer answering God. Keep your faith in God regardless of what happens. Don't let it hurt your faith. Amen. And uh, my dad used to tell a story World War II, uh, the Allied forces were uh, separated. A large uh, battalion separated. They were uh, on a little island. They'd run out of food, ran out of ammunition. They had one one large uh, uh, cannonball. And, uh, of course, uh, the enemy was going to starve them out. So they decided one night they were going to point that cannon straight up to the sky. When it exploded, it would be a fire, and uh, of course, their own fellow soldiers thought that they were already dead. They had no I- idea that any, any were still alive. And when they saw that, they sent a plane to scout out the country, and th- when they came over this island, they saw the this army group that had been separated from them. And so they made another flight, dropped food and water and a message on each one of the boxes, hold on, we're coming. Amen. And in a few days, here comes the Allied forces because they held on. When the devil, the enemy, the works of the devil, the wiles of the devil tells you you can't make it, you'll never amount to anything, you'll never be what you need to be as a Christian, the Lord tells us just hold on, I'm coming. Amen. Greater Life Church, you've been faithful. You haven't seen what you've wanted to see. You want to see miracles, and nobody wants it for you any more than I do. I pray for that every time I come here. God, save the sick, save the lost, and perform miracles. Let this church experience something that is supernatural, that comes only from the Lord. And the Lord says, Hold on, just keep praying. Hold on, just keep worshiping. Hold on. Keep loving me. Hold on. I'm coming. I hope it happens this weekend. I hope all of your prayers are going up and becoming one big prayer before the throne of God. And the Lord says, I like that. I'm going to give revival. Bring your loved ones. Bring the backsliders. Bring anybody you can. This is our opportunity, church, to see a great breakthrough. Amen. Hold on. It's coming. I believe it. I believe it with all my heart. Let's stand together. Let's thank God together. Remember these prevailing forces. Let them work in your life. And if they work in your life, then it will be in the church. Hallelujah. Don't you love Jesus?